Somewhere, I cannot tell you exactly where, but certainly in vast Russia, there lived a peasant with his wife and they had twins, a son and daughter. One day the wife died and the husband mourned over her very sincerely for a very long time. One, two, three years. But there's no order in a house without a woman. And the day came when the man thought, if I marry again, possibly it would turn out all right. And so he did, and had children by his second wife. The stepmother was envious of the stepson and daughter and began to use them hardly. She scolded them without any reason, sent them away from home as often as she could, and gave them barely enough to eat. Finally, she wanted to get rid of them altogether. And she determined to send the children to the witch, thinking, sure enough, that they would never return. Dear children, she said to the orphans, go to my grandmother who lives in the forest in a hut on hen's feet. You will do everything she wants you to, and she will give you sweet things to eat, and you will be happy. So the orphans went, but instead of going to the witch, the sister, a bright little girl, took her brother by the hand and ran to their own old, old grandmother, and told her all about their going to the forest. Oh, my poor darlings, said the good old grandmother, pitying the children. My heart aches for you, but it is not in my power to help you. You have to go not to a loving grandmother, but to a wicked witch. Now listen to me, my darlings. I will give you a hint. Be kind and good to everyone. Do not speak ill words to anyone. Do not despise helping the weakest. And always hope that for you, there will be the needed help. The good old grandmother gave the children some delicious fresh milk to drink and to each a big slice of ham. She also gave them cookies. There were cookies everywhere. And when the children departed, she stood looking after them a long, long time. The obedient children arrived at the forest and no wonder, there stood a hut. And what a curious one. It stood on tiny hands feet and at the top was a rooster's head with their shrill, childish voices, they called out loud. Turn thy back to the forest and thy front to us. The hut did as they commanded. The two orphans looked inside and saw the witch resting there, her head near the threshold, one foot in one corner, the other foot in another corner, and her knees quite close to the ridge pole. I feel the Russian spirit, exclaimed the witch. The children were afraid and stood close, very close together. But in spite of their fear, they said very politely, Grandmother, our stepmother sent us to thee to serve thee. All right, I am not opposed to keeping you children. If you satisfy all my wishes, I shall reward you. If not, I shall eat you up. Without any delay, the witch ordered the girl to spin the thread and the boy her brother to fill a big tub. The poor orphan girl wept at her spinning wheel and wiped away her bitter tears. At once all around her appeared small mice, squeaking and saying, Sweet girl, do not cry. Give us cookies and we will help thee. The little girl willingly did so. Now, gratefully squeaked the mice, go and find the black cat. He is very hungry. Give him a slice of the ham 
and he will help thee. The girl speedily went in search of the cat and saw her brother in great distress about the tub. So many times he had filled the bucket and yet the tub was still dry. The little birds passed flying nearby and chirped to the children. Kind-hearted little children, give us some crumbs and we will advise you. The orphans gave the birds some crumbs and the grateful birds chirped again. Some clay and water, children dear. Then away they flew through the air. The children understood the hint, spat in the bucket, plastered it up with clay, and filled the tub in a very short time. Then they both returned to the hut and on the threshold met the black cat. They generously gave him some of the good ham which their good grandmother had given them, petted him, and asked, Dear kitty cat, black and pretty, tell us what to do in order to get away from thy mistress, the witch. I will give you a towel and a comb, and then you must run away. When you hear the witch running after you, drop the towel behind your back, and a large river will appear in place of the towel. If you hear her once more, throw down the comb, and in place of the comb, there will appear a dark wood. This wood will protect you from the wicked witch, my mistress. Baba Yaga came home just then. Isn't that wonderful, she thought. Everything is exactly right. Well... She said to the children, Today you were brave and smart, but let us see tomorrow. Your work will be more difficult, and I hope I shall eat you. The poor orphans went to bed, not to a warm bed prepared by loving hands, but on the straw in a cold corner. Nearly scared to death from fear, they lay there, afraid to talk, even afraid to breathe. The next morning the witch ordered all the linen to be woven, and a large supply of firewood to be brought from the forest. The children took the towel and comb and ran away as fast as their feet could possibly carry them. The dogs were after them, but they threw them the cookies that were left. The gates did not open themselves, but the children smoothed them with oil. The birch tree near the path almost scratched their eyes out, but the gentle girl fastened a pretty ribbon to it. So they went further and further and ran out of the dark forest into the wide, sunny fields. The cat sat down by the loom and tore the thread to pieces, doing it with delight. The Baba Yaga returned. Where are the children? She shouted and began to beat the cat. Why hast thou let them go, thou treacherous cat? Why hast thou now scratched their faces? The cat then answered. Well, it was because I have served thee for so many years, and thou hast never given me a bite, while the dear children gave me some good ham. The witch scolded the dogs, the gates, and the birch tree near the path. Well, barked the dogs, thou certainly art our mistress, but thou hast never done us a favor, and the orphans were kind to us. The gates replied, we were always ready to obey thee, but thou just neglected us, and the dear children smoothed us with oil. The birch tree lisped with its leaves. Thou hast never put a simple thread over my branches, and the little darlings adorned them with a pretty ribbon. Baba Yaga understood that there was no help and started to follow the children herself. In her great hurry, she forgot to look for the towel and comb. The children heard her coming and threw the towel behind them. At once, a river, white and blue, appeared and watered the field. Baba Yaga hopped along the shore until she finally found a shallow place and crossed it. Again, the children heard her hurry after them, and so they threw down the comb. This time, a forest appeared a dark and dusky forest in which the roots were interwoven and the branches matted together. 
and the treetops touching each other. The witch tried very hard to pass through, but in vain, and so very, very angry, she returned home. The orphans rushed to their father and told him all about their great distress, and thus concluded their pitiful story. Ah, oh, father dear, why dost thou love us less than our brothers and sisters? The father was touched and became angry. He sent the wicked stepmother away and lived a new life with his good children. From that time, he watched over their happiness and never neglected them anymore. And I'm just, <laughs> and then I'm talking. <laughs> no, but wait, wait! I have something for him. Boom! You get shot down. Now you're just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales podcast. Concentrate on the news. It's what we do. Wow. <laughs> FYI, there's nothing wrong. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Weird History Eerie Tales Podcast. I am your host, Moses Soria, and today I will be talking about two nefarious she-devils that are the epitome of nightmare fuel. Up first is the Slavic Witch. So last episode, you heard me talking about Russian vampires and their lore. And while doing research, one name kept coming up over and over and over again. Whether I was searching up vampires or legends... It was the Baba Yaga, the Slavic witch, whose infamy and ferociousness has lent itself to kind of being a nickname given to someone who one must tread lightly when dealing with, like John Wick, for example. He once was an associate of ours. We called him Baba Yaga. So sit back and enjoy as I talk about the Baba Yaga. The Baba Yaga, the Baba Yaga, or the Baba Yiga, however you would like to pronounce it, is one of those rare folkloric figures that can't be pigeonholed. She can be anything from an angel in disguise, worst nightmare, to everything in between. She appears as a deformed or rough-looking old woman, and in many Russian stories, the Baba Yaga flies around in a mortar, or for us Latinos and Latinas, a molcajete. And it lives in a and she lives in a hut that is almost always described as standing on chicken legs. So a lot of these stories come from people who lived in the forest of the northern Russia. They had these stone statues named Yaga and were sometimes called Golden Babas by Russian soldiers. A lot of these statues had their own little huts built on these tree trunks that were full of gifts given by the locals. So in Old Russian, Baba meant midwife, sorceress, or fortune teller. But in modern Russia, the word babushka, meaning grandmother, comes from the word Baba. And Baba is also used to describe a crazy old woman. And now Yaga or Yiga or Yega, there is no clear agreement on where this word actually came from. 
because in certain Slavic languages, like Croatian, it means horror, shudder, or chill. And in Slovene, it means anger. In Oček, it means witch, or legendary evil, or female being. But in modern Czech, it also means a wood nymph. Sometimes the word Yaga appears to mean a disease or illness. Literally, meaning a million different things. But what we do know is that many of these stories, the Baba Yaga is always often described as a scary old witch hungry for eating people. In a lot of her stories, she usually chooses or stands for a person's fate. When someone enters her home or hut, they can literally live or die depending on what they do or say. The Baba Yaga is said to stand for the dark side of wisdom. She is more than just an ugly old witch, and she has power that people should fear. In many ancient societies, older women were seen as the keepers of wisdom and the tradition for the family or tribe. As soon as she is done caring for her own children, she would then become the mother of the community. And a lot of tribes and societies believed that these older women understood the mysteries of birth and death. Their wisdom made them healers. At one point, the word witch meant wise. So many of these women were called witch only for their wisdom. But then Christianity started spreading and that's when people began attributing the use of magic as evil. And people began to fear and hate these once wise women with their potions. Many were put to death and the picture of the wise woman and the witch flipped to become what we now attribute to the modern day witch. A frightening, ugly, evil old hag that casts wicked spells. And this is what's interesting about the Baba Yaga. She is described as a terrifying old witch that is still wise and powerful, wild and cruel but still manages to be kind. It's as if the Baba Yaga is the last link between the wise women of early societies and the witches of fairy tales. Like most witches, the Baba Yaga flies in the little bowl with her knees almost touching her chin. She drives very fast across the forest when she's chasing her prey. She's described as having an unnaturally long nose that in some stories say that it reaches to the roof when she sleeps. She's all skin and bones, even though all she does is apparently eat her victims. She's almost always described as bony-legged, and her size is what adds to her frightening demeanor. She's so big that in a lot of stories where someone is in her house, they always find her laying atop her enormous cooking stove and her feet stretches from one end of the house to the other. Her house is a hut deep, deep in a forest in a place that is difficult to find unless you have a feather or a doll that shows the way. The house is sometimes said to have a life of its own. It stands on its large chicken legs that can move about. Its windows act as its eyes and a lot of the times the hut is guarded by hungry dogs, evil geese, or a black cat. The hut can spin around and move through the forest, it can scream, and these screams are described as blood-curdling screeches. Most of those who go to her house never leave. She washes them, feeds them, and then sits them on a giant spatula and puts them in the oven before eating them. The interesting thing about the Baba Yaga is she never hunts or searches 
for her victims herself. They always come to her. They always search her out. And if you're thinking to yourself, who the fuck will go out and look for her? Well, remember earlier in the episode, I mentioned that at one point, witches were considered to be old wise women. So the Baba Yiga is still that, a wise old woman who is all-knowing, all-seeing, and tells the whole and full truth to those who are brave enough to ask. Her wisdom has full reign over the elements, and she has three faithful servants. A white horseman who she nicknames the Bright Dawn, a red horseman who she calls My Red Sun, and the black horseman who she calls My Dark Knight. A lot of times the hero enters her hut looking for wisdom, truth, or help, and the Baba Yiga helps them by giving advice and giving them tasks to do in exchange for the help. In a famous story, the Baba Yiga helps the protagonist by giving her a light who listens to a doll that serves as her intuition. The story is very similar to Cinderella and in the story, the moral at the end is if you are good and wise, listen to your elders and use your intuition and you will be rewarded. But if you are cruel and unkind like the wicked stepmother and her daughters, you might meet the Baba Yiga and a bad end. In the early 1700s, there was a young woman named Maria living in Juarez, Mexico. As Maria blossomed into a young woman, her striking beauty attracted the charms of many local men. Coming from a poor family, her mother encouraged her to marry one of these dashing young men for a good life. However, Maria refused, stating her beauty would one day attract the charms of a very rich man. Before long, the handsome young man of her dreams rode into town. He was the son of a well-known wealthy ranchero, West Juarez. He wore nice clothes and had a handsome, well-groomed horse with a fancy saddle, all the signs of a man of wealth. Maria would follow him around trying to catch his eye, but he seemed to only notice the young women who were fairly well-to-do. At night, he would charm the local ladies with his guitar and golden voice, breaking Maria's heart. One day, the young ranchero came into the tienda where Maria was shopping. She blushed from embarrassment as she was wearing an old, dirty, tattered dress. However, the blushing beauty suddenly caught the eye of the young ranchero. She was the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. After a short courtship, the ranchero paid her father a large dowry and they were soon married, in spite of the objections of the ranchero's father. After all, it was frowned upon for a wealthy man to marry a woman from a lower class. After their marriage, they moved to Mesilla, where it is said he worked his own ranch and worked as a merchant along El Camino Real. Others say he moved to Mesilla to avoid the scorn of his father for marrying a woman from such a poor family. Regardless, over the following years, Maria bore him three children. As the years went by, Maria and her wealthy husband grew apart. He was often gone for months at a time on the ranch or shipping goods along the Camino Real. He developed little interest in Maria or the children. Maria suspected he was frequenting the company of other women during his travels. 
One day, Maria was walking along the street with her three children when her husband's buggy approached. Sitting close was another woman, a beautiful young woman. He passed her and the children, pretending not to notice them. Maria's heart was broken in two. Her anger exploded into a jealous rage. If only she didn't have the children, she thought. Then her husband would love her again. In her rage, she dragged her three children to the Rio Grande and held their heads under the water until they were dead. Maria had committed the ultimate sin, deliberately killing her own children. Returning home later that night, she explained to her husband what she had done to please him. He was horrified and ordered her out of his life. It is said Maria roamed the streets of Messia for many nights calling and crying for her children, earning her the name La Llorona, the Wailing Woman. Realizing she had lost everything in life, she went down to the river and cried for her children one last time. When there was no answer, she drove a dagger deep into her chest, falling dead into the Rio Grande. The people of Messia, finding her body, buried her in the town cemetery. It is said, even to this day, La Llorona can be seen roaming the cemetery and the river, crying for her children, giving the Messia cemetery the reputation for being haunted. Much like the Baba Yiga, the legend of La Llorona has taken many interpretations that help paint a bigger picture of this wailing woman. In Mexico, there are whispers that you can just conjure up the Llorona and come into contact with her, much like the Bloody Mary. Light red candles in a dark room whose walls are covered in mirrors, and if you chant her name, she will appear. Other accounts tell of her appearing when children are misbehaving, while the most common tale of hers is she can be found near rivers or lakes in Mexico searching for her children. Here in the United States, in the Chicano culture, she is sometimes seen as an omen of supernatural danger to come. In Venezuela, the story of the Llorona is one of the spirit of a weeping woman who died of sorrow after her children were killed by her family. So the story of the Llorona says that a woman was unloved by her husband, who loved their daughter and son instead. And when she caught her husband with a different woman, she hurt him, were hurt, and drowned both of their children in a river. Then she went to take her own life in the same river after the realization of what she did set in. Well, God told her to go fuck herself and was denied entry to heaven until she found the souls of her children. So legend has it that she cries and wails and takes children that she finds close to rivers. But once she realizes they aren't hers, she drowns them. In one variation of her legend, she was tricked by a demon who told her that her children's souls were lost, but that she would be granted entry to heaven if she found the souls of her children and brought them to heaven where they belonged. 
Well, the demon knew that her children's souls were already in heaven and that the woman would be stuck in the land of the living trying to find her children forever, crying constantly for the sin she had committed. After a long time without finding her children, her grief and desperation to just be able to die and be at peace caused her to start taking other children's souls by drowning them. In another variation, a beautiful young woman named Maria lived in a rural village. She came from a poor family but was known around her village for her beauty and grace. One day, an extremely wealthy nobleman was riding through her village and stopped in his tracks. He had traveled all over the world and had never seen anyone as beautiful as Maria. He was mesmerized by her. He knew that he had to win her heart. Maria was easily charmed by him and he was charmed by her beauty. So when he proposed to her, she immediately accepted. Eventually, the two married and Maria gave birth to two kids. Her husband was always traveling and he stopped spending time with his family. When he came home, he only paid attention to the children and as time passed, Maria could tell that her husband was falling out of love with her because she was getting old. One day, he returned to the village with a younger woman and bid his children farewell, ignoring Maria. Angry and hurt, she took her children to a river and drowned them in a rage. She realized what she had done and searched for them, but the river had already carried them away. Days later, when her husband came back and asked about his children, Maria started weeping and said that she had drowned them. Her husband was furious and said that she could not be with him unless she found their children. And she drowned herself, knowing what she had done. Now she spends eternity looking for her lost children in hell. She has always heard weeping for her children, earning her the name La Llorona, which means the weeping woman. It is said that if you hear her crying, you are to run the opposite way. If you hear her cries, they could bring misfortune or even death. Many parents in Latin America tell this story to scare the children from staying out too late. So when it comes to finding the origins of the legend of La Llorona, it all leads back to their pre-Hispanic roots and has been linked to a few Aztec goddesses. The first is the snake goddess Cialcoatle, and she's described as being a savage beast and an evil omen who appeared in white and would walk at night weeping and wailing. She is sometimes described as being an omen of war. Next, we have the Coatliqui, the mother to the Aztec god of war. She is described as being the ugliest and dirtiest that one could possibly imagine. With a face so black and covered with filth that she looked like something shat out of hell. Her thing is, is that she waits for her son to come back to her from war and weeps and mourns for him while he's gone. Next we have the Chalchulicoe, the goddess of the waters and the older sister of the rain god. She is described as one who was feared and caused terror. She is said to drown people and overturn boats and ceremonies in honor of her involved sacrificed children. The sacrifices would be presented by the children's mothers, and the more the children cried 
the more successful the sacrifice was thought to have been. So before I end the episode, I wanted to read and encounter a Sebastian Munoz, who was a creative director at Force Nature Production, had with La Llorona. Growing up in Mexico, and now residing in the States since 91, it's near impossible to not have heard the story of La Llorona as a very young child. Many have different stories of who she is or was, if she was real or not. One origin story says she was inspired by the famous Nahue women known as La Malinche in the 1500s during the Spanish Conquistador days. She was Hernán Cortés's interpreter and lover who gave birth to his bastard children only to have only to have been left by him to marry a noble Spanish lady. The other story I heard was a more traditional one of a local woman drowning her children than herself after her husband left her for a younger woman. She was denied entrance to heaven until she was able to find her children and bring them with her. Whether you believe in her or not, here's a personal story I've rarely shared with anyone. All of it is true as I describe it below. As a child of 8 years old, my family was very trusting of me and allowed me to play outside with my friends, but always wanted to make sure I was back home inside before nightfall. They told me if I wasn't inside by sundown, I'd run the risk of running into La Llorona. I listened most of the time, but sometimes those street soccer matches with friends would be too good to stop. But I always managed to get back in time. However, as many young boys often do, I tested the boundaries of my family's request on this particular night. Having discovered an empty, weeded, dirt-filled lot about two blocks from my house, my friends and I, of course, played longer than we were allowed to. The match ended at sundown, and by the time the adrenaline and excitement had settled, my friend Lupe and I found ourselves alone to walk back in that now silent, empty field. I remember telling him that we should leave, as it was now much later than we were allowed to be out. The wind and soft night creature noises were the only sound we had as we made our way out of the lot. Now, call it a combination of fear of being in trouble, coupled with your brain suddenly reminding you what lurks in the night, why you should be safe at home. But my friend and I started to panic a bit. Then, as if in a bad dream, a particularly strong wind filled the lot. It was deafening and ear-piercing, but when it reached us, it transformed into what my friend and I swore was wailing as if something or someone was mourning. We looked at each other and I'd never seen Lupe so pale in my life. Without missing a beat, we started running as fast as we could. We couldn't stop nor look behind us, yet we felt that cold wind and energy as if it was just steps behind us, like heavy breathing at the backs of our neck. My heart felt as if it was going to beat out of my chest. We didn't stop until we ran into my grandmother Luciana on the street. She was out looking for us and not particularly happy about it. I'd never been so happy to see her in my then short eight-year-old life. She escorted my friend home and then we walked back to our house. I was in trouble, of course, but was never happier to be grounded inside the safety of my house. Lupe and I talked about it at school and with other friends for weeks to come. Some believed us and others laughed, but we knew that whatever we experienced was very real to us and would be an experience that would bond us for life. Whether you believe in La Llorona or not, 
may be a fact or fiction, I feel it best to respect the energy of what's around us and not test the powers of the unknown. You may not want to face what you might find. Well, there you have it, folks. That is our episode on the Baba Yiga and La Llorona. Two important and cultural feminine entities that are unfazed by the sands of time and, you know, will hopefully spend many more centuries scaring the living shit out of children. Um, please do us a favor and rate and review us on iTunes. You guys can add us on Instagram at the Weird History Tales Pod, and right there on our Instagram, there is a link where you could click, and it'll take you to iTunes. And you just from iTunes, you just follow the instructions, go to View Podcast, and it'll take you to your iTunes. And there's a button. There's a button there that says Rate and Review. So if you guys could do us that favor, that will be tremendous. And if you guys are wondering. Why the fuck do you guys have another episode with just me by myself? It's because my brother, co-host Josh, um, he's really, really sick. Um, he's been sick for like the past month. We've had a few COVID scares with him. And he's been in and out of the hospital. And uh, we had, we all had a COVID scare here at our house. We all took our tests. We all came out negative. And right now they give him strong antibiotics and things. And he's getting better slowly but surely. Uh, for a while he wasn't eating. He couldn't get out of bed. Now he's slowly eating, kind of walking around. So I'm not trying to force anything on him. And I don't want to keep you guys without any content. And I don't want to get Achi sick because we are sick in this house. We have like a little stomach bug. And um, I don't want Achi coming over and him getting sick. And then he's out while he's trapped and then he gets sick while he's you know dealing with this whole virtual school thing that we're everyone's kind of fucking having to deal with so um if you guys can give positive energies out to my brother um he's slowly but surely getting better and hopefully next week or the next episode or two we have the whole gang back because we have a pretty cool episode we have an episode on aliens specifically three different races races of aliens so that'll be kind of cool to dive into and if not i'm gonna keep throwing these you know these little episodes out for you guys to um for for, for you guys not to be ha be without any content so um thank you guys please rate and review us add us on um instagram weird history he tells pod and as always thank you everybody and we are the weird history he tells pod